0: Okay, so, question for you today. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of a silly, stupid, unnecessary fight? Like, afterwards, you thought to yourself, what was I doing? What was I thinking? That was really not that big of a deal, or I I didn't really need to go that far with it, or like, that didn't actually have to happen that way you know, this time of the year can get really tense. Tensions can rise, stress can rise, and lots of different scenarios and settings, whether it's, you know, in your home with your family or with your roommates or with your coworkers. There's just a lot happening and a lot going on, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves going, the most wonderful time of the year doesn't feel quite so wonderful anymore. It feels kind of tense. So our family has a tradition of movie nights, From the time our kids were really little and small, we would pick a Christmas movie and snuggle up on the couch and enjoy the Christmas movie. Now, Christmas starts early in our home. We've been listening to Christmas music since November 1st, but we are waiting until after Thanksgiving to watch Christmas movies. And so back in the day when all three of our kids were really small, we started this tradition and we would feed them all and clean the kitchen. We'd get them bathed. We'd get them in their pajamas. We'd sit down. We might argue about what movie to watch that night. Cause everybody has a different opinion, but we finally all got ourselves settled. We're under the blankets and about 10 minutes into the movie Elf, one of the kids says, mom, you forgot the popcorn. I'm like oh, totally rookie mom mistake. Like, how did I forget the popcorn? am like, okay, no problem. I'll get up and go make the popcorn. Now, you need to know that in our home, the family room where we watch movies is connected to the kitchen. So I had to walk about 10 feet this direction into the kitchen where I can still see the television. So I get up and I go and I'm grabbing the popcorn out of the cupboard. And I realize Ryan did not pause the movie. And so I open up the popcorn and I'm like, kind of giving the side eye a little bit, like really, you're not gonna pause the movie. And so I pop the popcorn into the microwave and I set the timer and I'm just like, really? I've only seen Elf 25 times, but you're not pausing the movie for me. And so tension is rising. No one else knows it but me. And I pull the popcorn bowl down and I, Set it on the counter a little louder than is absolutely necessary. And the popcorn is popping, and I don't know if you do this when tensions rise, but I start to sigh. <sighs> now no one can hear over Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? So I'm I mean, I'm just like pulling out all the stops. And at one point I remember trying to slam the cupboard door kind of embarrassing. We have soft close cabinets. <laughs> you can't slam them, <laughs> which is probably actually worked out well for me that night. And it, at a certain point before the popcorn is done, Ryan looks over and says, Hey babe, do you need help? Nope. <laughs> I'm fine. So popcorn gets into all the bowls. Cause everybody needs their own bowl because Lord have mercy if we have to share. Everybody gets their popcorn, and do you think I go sit back down, snuggled up with the kids and Ryan? mm All the way on the other side of the couch. I mean, the tension is palpable. Now, I'm gonna tell you how the story ends a little bit later today, because there is an ending to this story. But I share this with you today because I'm wondering if as I'm sharing this story, you're reliving some of your own memories right now. Maybe you were me in the story and you were the one that was passive aggressive and a little bit frustrated and thought that somebody should read your mind. Or maybe you were the one who the other person was being passive aggressive towards and you had to navigate what that was looking like in your home. This time of the year creates lots of moments and opportunities for us to experience tension and navigate tension and figure out, you know, what is all of this gonna look like? And so today what we're gonna do is we're gonna look together at the book of Proverbs at some principles that help us learn how to better navigate the tense moments that we all experience because we're human. Whether you are a parent or you are a teenager or you are a coworker or you are a boss or an employee or a teacher, this is just part of life. It's part of being in life together as community. And so not only will we look at the book of Proverbs, but we're also gonna look at some of the truth from the life and the ministry of Jesus to help us learn what it looks like to walk in some freedom around these things. So we're gonna start in Proverbs this morning. It is filled with wisdom and principles for handling tension and conflict and anger. When I knew that we were going to be in this series uh, to get ready, I read through the whole book of Proverbs in one sitting, because it had been a while since I had been in the book of Proverbs. Most of Proverbs is about how to handle conflict and anger and like to stop talking and listen and to take correction. It's pretty fantastic. And so we're going to start there together today. Proverbs 15, 17 through 18 says this. Better a bread crust shared in love than a bowl of popcorn served in hate. It's actually not what it says. Um, Better a bread of crust shared in love than a slab of prime rib served in hate. Hot tempers start fights. A calm, cool spirit keeps the peace. Now, did I have a calm, cool spirit in a story that I just shared with you? Uh Uh-uh, nope. It was a hot mess under the surface. Uh, 17.1, better a dry turkey with peace and quiet. Were you paying attention? That's really not what it says. Uh, Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Does that just not describe Thanksgiving in many of our homes? (laughs) So Proverbs has some legitimate things to say to us about this time of the year. So, okay, yep, we get it, and we kind of agree with you. We would like to figure out together how how to manage some of the tension that comes up this time of the year. Well, Proverbs has some things to say to us about how to handle this differently. So Proverbs 18, verse 1 and 2 says this, an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. There's a lot in this verse. It is rich with meaning. So I wanted to take just a second together to look at some of the original Hebrew language here. So in the the Hebrew language, oftentimes what gets translated, we miss some of the depth and the meaning that is there. And so the word selfish that we read here in Hebrew means to separate. So what the verse is saying is that oftentimes what happens is we separate ourselves from one another. When things are tense and we're not thinking with grace and wisdom and understanding, it separates us from the people in our lives that are important to us. The word understanding in Hebrew is understanding that includes intelligence and wisdom. And here it's referring to the understanding of the other person that we have separated ourselves from. Because, I mean, what did I do in the story? I separated myself from the rest of the family, and I didn't think to myself in the moment, I did later. But in the moment, what are they thinking? Or what are they feeling? Or what are they experiencing? What are they not thinking? They're not thinking, let's ruin mom's night by not pausing the movie. So we, we separate ourselves, and then we focus in on our own perspective and we don't consider wisdom and understanding in the perspective of those that we may be experiencing tension with. And then that word opinions in Hebrew, uh, it's translated the heart. Now, the word heart in Hebrew can have lots of different meanings depending on where and how it's used. In this specific verse, it's talking about our will, um, our opinion, our desire, what we want to see happen, happen. I want my way. And I want to not have to tell you what my way is. I want you to just read my mind and do it without me having to ask. See what happened there? And so the writer is contrasting our desire to pursue our own will, our own opinions, versus the pursuit of also understanding the perspective of the person that we are in relationship with. And so today, what we're gonna be talking about together is how to hold space for both, how to experience the natural tension that comes up in our homes and in our families and in our workplaces this time of the year, and how to notice when we begin to separate and focus in on ourselves, and instead of doing that, how do we begin to recognize when it's happening and choose a different response, choose a healthier response? Now, I don't know about you, but it's not easy for me to consider these things. When I am hurt or when I have been rejected or when I have been offended or when I have been left out or when I have been overlooked, I tend to have automatic responses because I want to protect myself. I feel afraid or I feel ashamed and I don't wanna look at all this stuff And so we have some automatic responses in those situations that we're gonna look at. This is part of the wisdom and the understanding that the Proverbs writer is talking to us about. So in these moments when tension rises, can I have some wisdom and understanding about my natural responses, my natural defense mechanisms that come up? Now before we go there, I wanna start by talking to us about why it's safe for us to go there. For most of us, it's not easy to look at this kind of stuff. It wasn't easy for me to share that story with you today. I was vulnerable and clearly I was not the hero or the good guy in the story. As we learn together to trust the unconditional love of God, the forgiveness of God that is already over our lives in the past, in the present, and in the future, as we trust that we are good with God, that God sees us and knows us and likes us and enjoys us just as we are, it frees us up to let down our defenses and let down the walls and to look at some of the stuff that we need to look at. And so one thing that, that I have found helpful to remember in these moments when I notice that tension is up and I'm starting to defend and to protect myself is that Jesus has not come to condemn us, but to save us. Those are his words. He has come into our lives, into our families, into relationship with us, not to condemn, but to save us. And so this means that I do not have to hide. I do not have to pretend that everything is better than it really is. I don't have to hide my mistakes. I don't have to hide my mishaps. It's already there and it's already seen and it's forgiven. And then the second thing that I am learning to trust deeper and deeper in new ways is that Jesus doesn't criticize our weaknesses. He empathizes with them. We learn this from the book of Hebrews. And so when I inevitably make mistakes, when I inevitably don't do the helpful, healthy thing, as I trust that Jesus empathizes with me in those moments, he doesn't criticize, I learn that I don't have to blame myself and I don't have to blame others. I can trust the unconditional love and grace of God. And then the last one that I wanted to share with you today, because it's been incredibly helpful for me, is remembering and learning to trust that God does not turn his face away from us in the mess of our lives. When we experience shame, when we uh, mess things up, when we're in the middle of tense moments or fights or arguments, He doesn't turn his face away from us. He pursues us with love in the very messy middle of our lives. We see this throughout the entire narrative of the scriptures. From the very beginning stories in Genesis, when Adam and Eve run and hide from God, what does God do? He pursues them. Jesus, in ministry with people who are messy and have a lot of stuff going on, he shows up and he pursues them, and he sees them exactly where they are, and so as I learn to trust that in new ways and in deeper ways, I discover that I don't have to deny or distract myself from the mess of my own life or my own relationships. When we read the Gospels, we see Jesus interact with lots of men and women, and they have their own defense mechanisms. We see him interact with people who isolate and withdraw, when they feel scared and afraid and want to defend and protect, and Jesus goes after them with love and grace and forgiveness and understanding, we see men and women deny and criticize. And what does Jesus do? He pursues over and over again and gives lots and lots of second chances and do-overs. So we see not just what God says to us and says about us, but we see this pattern in the life and the ministry of Jesus. And so what that does is it creates some freedom and some space in our hearts and in our lives as we trust this, that maybe we can acknowledge and be curious about some of the ways that we automatically respond in these moments and then to consider maybe they may not be the most helpful or the most healthy response. So I have some questions that I wanna encourage us to ask this holiday season when tensions inevitably rise, because they will, if they haven't already. Okay, first one. What is my auto response? What is the automatic response that happens when I feel tense? when I feel frustrated or angry or overlooked or ignored or taken advantage of, whatever the thing is, what is my automatic response? Now, if you think back to my story, you're gonna notice I had all of them. So sometimes we have one that we lean into. Sometimes we start with one and we move on to the second one. And then if that doesn't work, we move on to the third one. In the moment though, it's helpful for us to just consider Am I having an automatic response here? Do I criticize and blame? Is that part of the way that I protect? Now, this can be an internal dialogue of I criticize and blame myself or an external where I criticize and blame the other people for what I'm doing and how I'm feeling. It can be subtle or it can be overt. The key is to start to notice when we're having this kind of response. Do I withdraw and isolate? Now, this can be those moments when I feel the need uh, to protect or I'm angry and I'm afraid of my angry, or my anger or you're ang- angry and I'm afraid of your anger. That was tricky to say out loud. <laughs> and so we can withdraw and isolate. This can look um, like uh, shutting someone out and giving them the silent treatment, this was me over here on the couch, like, okay, the first two tactics that I had didn't work so well, um, so I'm gonna try this one. And eventually, they're gonna figure out that I am not okay with how this went down. Or it can be more subtle, uh, where we just stop sharing and we stop saying what we think and what we need and what we want we, we, we isolate and we um, are not vulnerable anymore. Now, what I'm not talking about here, and I wanna clarify, is a healthy pause. So we've been married 16 years, and I learned early on that I need a pause. Ryan wants to talk right away. <laughs> that doesn't always work out so well. But when I can communicate, hey, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of feelings right now, or I'm, I'm, I'm really angry, or whatever it is, I need a minute or I need a little bit of time. So can we agree to take a pause? Can we agree to step away? Can I have some time to process? I love you, we'll come back and we'll figure this out. So it's not, it, what, what the difference is when I communicate, hey, I need a pause, I need a minute to process, this is hard but we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk it through versus when I just don't say anything at all. There's a little bit of a difference there. do I deny and distract? This one can look like the better option on the surface. I don't, I don't have this one as much. Um, mine tend to be more obvious. So this would be an individual who, um, all the tension is there, all the messy stuff is there, but it's hard so I'm gonna deny that it's there, I'm gonna pretend like it's there, not there, and we're just gonna distract ourselves with all kinds of things. Sometimes we're distracting with fun, sometimes we're distracting with good things, but all of it is there. There's tension, but I'm gonna ignore it. There's tension, but I'm gonna put it over here. And that can seem like a good idea. Just stuff and 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 then blow, right? And so which one is the one that maybe you lean into more often than the other ones? Just becoming aware of when you're doing it can become a signal to take us to the next question that I think you might find helpful. And that's what does it look like to pursue wisdom and understanding in this moment? So there's been some type of tension. I am having an automatic response to that tension, to that moment. What does it look like for me to process and discover some wisdom and understanding like the Proverbs writer was talking about? This is where we pause and we talk to God and we process. And we're better able to do this when we trust that God is the safest place for us. When God is a safe place for us, filled with unconditional love and forgiveness, we can come to God and process honestly what we're experiencing and what the tension is. So one of the first questions that, I've learned over the years that needs to be my first question. May not need to be your first question, but for me, it's what do I need to own? What do I need to own here? In this tension, in this moment, in this conflict, in this argument, what do I need to own? There, for me, there's always something. There's never been a moment where there hasn't been an awareness of something. Maybe it was the way that I responded to an offense. Maybe it was not speaking up sooner or setting about, like just what do I need to own? And then what am I thinking? So what are the thoughts that are going through my mind? What am I thinking? We need to understand what's going through our mind. What am I feeling? What are the emotions that I'm feeling right now? With with our thoughts, it's it's good to process with God, is this true? Uh, Is this helpful? And then what am I feeling? Now, for many of us, one or two, one of those is going to be easier than the other. So for some of you, you're like, well, yeah, I always know what I'm thinking. It's clear. It's linear. And others of you are like, yeah, it's kind of jumbled. I don't always know. I can tell you exactly how I feel, but I can't always tell you what I'm thinking about it. Lean into that, stretch that muscle. Sometimes it can be helpful to write it down. If you're a thinker and you can argue a point forwards and backwards, I mean, you're just quick on your feet and you know exactly what you think about something, that's awesome. You may struggle to connect with how do you feel in this moment? Are you feeling embarrassed? Are you feeling afraid? Are you feeling ashamed? Are you feeling offended? What is the feeling? Stretch that muscle. We wanna connect with not just our head, but our heart in that moment. There's wisdom and understanding there that we want to have access to. And then an important question that keeps us from doing what the Proverbs writer said where we separate is to then consider what might the other person or people be thinking and feeling? What about them? Can I put myself in their shoes? Can I empathize with their perspective? What might they be thinking and feeling? So in the popcorn moment, I'm just feeling all the feelings. I'm totally offended. After, days later, I could look back and go, okay, no one was intentionally leaving me out. It wasn't like Ryan sat on the couch and thought to himself, I'm really unhappy with the way that we did our day today, and so I'm gonna not pause the movie, so she misses out on the scene in Elf that she's seen 25 times. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm able to kind of like get out of it and look at it from a different perspective. And then we pray and we ask, what do I wanna do? So I take in all that wisdom and all that understanding, trusting that I'm being guided by the spirit of God that is alive within me. Okay, God, now what do we want to do? What is a healthy response in this moment? And sometimes it's not doing what I want to do, quite frankly. But sometimes it's saying, okay, God, what is a healthy response here? What is the good and healthy thing to do that's hard to do, that I don't really want to do, but I should probably do it anyways? So to process, we pause and we process with God. And then the third question is just, is it time for a do-over? Tensions are rising, we have these automatic responses, things are going down. This is just life, this is just being human. Do I need a do-over? Do you know one of the hardest jobs I have had in my entire adult life? Trying to get three small children and toddlers up early in the morning, fed, dressed, packed, and out the door so that they could get to school on time and I could get to work on time. I'm not sure I have done anything else harder. And so early in our parenting years, I learned pretty quick that I, there were going to be meltdowns and there were going to be tantrums. It was just inevitable. Somebody was going to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. A lot of days it was me. <laughs> and so what I didn't want to do, though, is I didn't want to finally get all the shoes on and finally get all the backpacks and all the lunches packed and all the things and drop them off at school and everybody's just kind of grumpy and in a bad mood. I didn't want our day to start that way. And so we started this thing really early called do-overs. And we would be in the middle of all the stuff and then we would like calm and we would speak gently and we would console and we would finally get our shoes on and the socks would get like fitted just right so that they weren't screaming about the way their socks were fitting. And I would get down, eye level with them. Do you think it's time for a do-over? And in the beginning they were like, oh, what? What are you talking about, mom? And I go, okay, come on, come with me. So we'd run up the stairs and we did not have time to do this, but I really didn't wanna drop them off in like a crabby mood. And I like, okay, get back in your bed. And they're like, what? Get back in your bed. So I'd put them back in the bed and I would tuck in their covers. I'd say, close your eyes. And they'd close our eyes. And then I would sing the wake up song. Not singing you the wake up song. There's a reason they have not asked me to be on the worship team. But we would sing the wake-up song and we would do a do-over. We would start the day over, but we didn't have to do the breakfast and the clothes and the teeth and the hair and the stuff. And then we'd run downstairs and we'd get in the car and it was like a a refresher. I can't tell you how many do-overs we have had over the years. Every once in a while, we still have to do them. Popcorn night. I'm over here, I'm not over here. I'm over here and I'm on the couch and I'm like this. And do you know that one of those kids all of a sudden looks over and says, Mom, do you need a (laughs) do-over? Yeah, kiddo, I think I do. I think I need a do-over. I don't know about you, but what happens to me is when I get in that space, then I start to feel guilty because I knew that I was having an overreaction to something, I was feeling totally offended by something that none of them did to me on purpose, and then I feel embarrassed by how I was reacting and responding. So I just think you're just like digging a hole for yourself. A do-over sometimes helps us or helps others graciously get ourselves out of the hole. So we're back to Proverbs. Proverbs is gonna give us some ideas for how to navigate a do-over, how to ask for a do-over. The first one, respond gently. So we've processed with God. We kinda know what we need to do. Maybe it's ask for a do-over. Let's come to the table and respond gently. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle response diffuses anger, but a sharp tongue Kindles a temper fire. It is okay if you need a pause because you need a minute to take a breath and calm down and then come back to the table gently. Let's do our best to speak gently, respond gently. And then Proverbs tells us, let's listen to understand. Very early on in our marriage, and I'm still learning this lesson, we would be in the middle of a a tense argument and Ryan would say to me, Carissa, you're not listening, you're planning what you're gonna say to me next did he know this yeah because I, I need to like have a next point and i need to be able to prove to you that you're wrong and i'm right and so yes i'm planning what i'm going to say in my mind now i've learned over the years that that's not exactly helpful or healthy and here's what proverbs has to say about that answering before listening is both stupid and rude thank you eugene peterson for that translation and so in these moments when we're asking for a do-over if we can listen to understand, listen to empathize, repeat back, hey, what I am hearing you say is this. When you said this, is that what you meant? So listening to understand, when we have separated, like we read in Proverbs, and we want to consider some wisdom and understanding, listening can be a great way of going about that. Now keep in mind, some of you may be thinking, yeah, but they don't listen to me. We're not talking about them today. We're just talking about ourselves because we can have some agency and some control over our own responses and the ways that we are handling the tension. And then the last thing, take ownership and apologize. This one's tough. Proverbs 16, 18, first pride, then the crash, the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Here's the good news. When we inevitably fall, and we will, because we're human, we fall into grace. Every moment, every time, every mistake, every mishap, every time our ego gets the best of us, and we separate, and we withdraw, and we criticize, and we blame, and we do all the things, we fall into grace. I am discovering. the more I come to trust the unconditional love of God towards me, the grace of God towards me. It's not that apologizing and owning things ever gets easy because I haven't experienced that, but I do find that I'm able to do it more frequently and more authentically. Not easy but there's a grace at work there that empowers us to begin to take ownership and to apologize when necessary. And I'll just be real with you today, I apologize a lot. I probably need to do it more. Maybe we just let that be a normal thing. So I brought you some do-overs today, that's what's in here. Um, Because as you're navigating the holiday season, and I know all of you are in lots of different ways with lots of different stories, we're just gonna own the fact that tensions are gonna rise. We're gonna own the fact that we're human and we're not always gonna handle the tension in the way that is the most healthy and in the way that is the most helpful. We may need some do-overs. And so uh, we, made, we made one of these in our family when the kids were really little. I have no idea what happened to it. But I will tell you this, two weeks ago, we were in the kitchen, uh, gathered around the island having lunch and Ryan and I were having another tense discussion. I'm not gonna tell you whose fault it was because I have already embarrassed myself enough today. In the middle of the conversation, our youngest daughter, Abby, who is eight, says, do you guys need a do-over? This has been really helpful for us. So, I thought I would share them with you. All it is is a little football, and I took a Sharpie marker and wrote do-over on it. You can decide how you wanna use it. Um, You might decide to put it on your spouse's pillow at night. (laughs) You might uh, put it with your kid's favorite toys. Um, You might leave it on the counter next to the coffee pot for your roommate. I don't know how you wanna utilize this, but it can be a really, fun way to break the ice when you've gotten yourself into a hole and go, I'm not really proud of the way that I handled that or how I responded to that. Uh, Can I get a do-over? So I'm gonna throw some of these out. So don't raise your hand and answer these questions if you can't catch a football. (laughs) Deal? All right, who is planning to watch Elf this holiday season? All right, here we go. Oh, that was my bad, not you. Okay. Uh, who's hosting Thanksgiving? Okay, saw your hand first. Ready? Here gums. comes. Oh, that was a bad throw. Okay, who is gonna be untangling Christmas lights soon? Here we go, right down the middle. Oh, that was great. Um, my throw, not your catch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> can I have a do-over? Uh, who's going to be traveling right here. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Um, who's hosting out of town guests? Oh, all right. You might need a few of these. There you go. Okay. Last one. Who is planning to cook a brand new recipe on Thanksgiving that you have never made before? Go. All right. Awesome, okay, so here's the thing. When tensions inevitably rise this holiday season, and they absolutely will, we're just gonna embrace that. Can we notice what our automatic response is? Can we trust the unconditional love and forgiveness of God towards us so that we can process with God what we're experiencing and what we're thinking and what we're feeling and how we wanna respond? And then maybe we ask for a do-over. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful. (laughs) We're grateful that even when we make mistakes and don't handle things the way that we want to, the way that we know we should, you are gracious towards us. That you are already in the messy middle of our lives. That you never turn from us that you do not condemn us or judge us or criticize us. You pursue us and you invite us to experience grace and healing and fullness of life. So give us courage, God, as we ask for do-overs. Give us courage as we process with you what we're experiencing and feeling. Give us wisdom and understanding. Thank you that you led the way as we look to the life and the ministry of Jesus, that we can see examples of Jesus pursuing us when we withdraw and isolate, when we blame, when we criticize, when we deny. You're still there. We love you and we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.